Hi friends, you're listening to Autism and Us with me, Maisie. When my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of four, I didn't know anything about autism. Oh wait, I'd seen Rain Man in the 80s. At the beginning, I felt devastated, isolated and afraid. Diagnosis day, the darkest of my life. It wasn't the masses of written information I was given that helped me. It was sharing stories with other Spectrum parents I met along the way, giving me tips and advice, and most importantly, made me feel like I'm not alone. I am no expert and don't claim to be. I'm a parent at the start of my journey. Each episode, I will be talking to a parent or a close family member of someone with autism, and they will share their story from the early years to diagnosis to present day. Welcome to Autism and Us. Today, I'm speaking to Lucy about her 24-year-old son, Oscar. Oscar was diagnosed with autism as a young child. I met Lucy through the charity Ambitious About Autism, who are a partner of this podcast and a charity to which both Lucy and her husband Simon are very much involved in. Lucy is a huge inspiration to me, such a wonderfully strong and engaging woman who talks to me openly about Oscar, who alongside his autism diagnosis also has a diagnosis of epilepsy. Charlie and Oscar present very similarly to each other, so it was important for me to listen to Lucy's story so far. Just to add, I have met and spent time with Oscar and he is gorgeous. Hello, Lucy. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I always begin these interviews with, I'd love to hear about you before you had your son, Oscar. Right. So a little bit of a, <laughs> this is your life, um, where you were born and where you grew up and how you met your husband, Simon. Okay. It's so far in the past that I can hardly <laughs> remember, but I was no. born in Richmond, uh, grew up in Putney with uh, three siblings and my parents Went to school in London. At the time, felt like a fairly regular childhood. Between school and university, I volunteered at a school for, well, at the time it was called a school for disabled children, um, which was run by a friend of my mother's. And that was my first introduction to autism. So so then? Yeah, then. So I kind of felt like I'd set myself up for this. it was interesting, actually, looking back on it, there were obviously another a number of children who were autistic, but there was only one girl who had a diagnosis. And at the time, I was only 19, um, we were just told not to go near her because she didn't like people. And I remember thinking, I don't believe this, I don't think this is right, but, you know, I was only 19, so I wasn't going to force my, my And you opinion. still remember her quite clearly? I remember her very clearly. And then there were a number of other children who would suddenly have meltdowns and start flinging things around and we'd all just run out of the room and then come back in when they'd stopped. And it was actually a very nice school Mm. and people were very kind and interested, but there was no sort of level of specialist Right, training. so it was everyone so, was it yeah, and, kind of and grouped together. There was no one-to-one, so, you know, there was quite a lot of milling around. But and I find it fascinating that you had that experience yeah, yeah. and then maybe you not forgotten about it, but, you know, then you'd move on to uni and that was then. And yeah, but actually my parents um, had a, maybe three sets of friends with disabled children and very unusually my parents were always very happy for them to come to our house. So we grew up with disabled children at our home being expected to be kind and interested and helpful. So there was a sort of culture of that. Um, That's interesting because I grew up next to a family who had a boy with Down syndrome and he still lives 
next to my parents. Right. And he's about 38 now. And I remember my mum saying, yeah, you have to be kind. Yeah. You have to, and we always used to play with him. And yeah, I used yeah. to love him so yes. sweet. So did we. I mean, it was just the way it was. So that was great. Went off to university. Which uni? Did you go to? I went to Edinburgh. Okay. Um, spent a year in the south of France because I was doing French. And that's where I met Simon. He oh, was France. He was in, yes, that was rather nice. Romantic. He was in Sussex. Um, we went to spend a year in Aix-en-Provence. So that was a very ah. lovely place to meet about 30 billion years ago. We then went to our respective universities to do our fourth year. And then I think he moved in. We both lived with my mother in Putney. Okay. Um, then I went off traveling for a bit, leaving Simon with my mother. By the time I got back, my grandmother had moved in and Simon was looking a bit ashen. So he, we moved out very quickly. He got, he'd he'd had enough. To... <laughs> <laughs> then I went to work in publishing for Penguin Books. Oh, really? And got pregnant with Oscar quite quickly. So, so Oscar's your first? He's, yeah. I think I was 28. I had planned to have four children and take 10 years off work Good and then go planning. back. That was my plan. Uh, that didn't really work. Had Osk, went back and how, after a year. And how was the um, pregnancy? Was it all? Oh, the pregnancy was absolutely fine. Just, yeah. The birth was appalling. Appalling midwife who right. was part of my team at the Chelsea and Westminster. I was and born there. Then, oh, well, thank yeah. you. Well, she was a nightmare. Um, it all went horribly wrong. Right. I was getting into trouble. The registrar came in and said, you're monitoring the maternal heartbeat, not the fetal heartbeat. So when he then picked up Oscar's heartbeat, we were rushed into the operating theatre. So I don't really know what happened in that period. Right. When so C-section. Well, in, in fact, it was von Tu's under oh, general anaesthetic. Yeah. And I was in for a little while. We got out and Oscar was a gorgeous baby, but not a big crier. He was quite placid, actually. Same as Charlie. Uh, yeah, and we just thought, God, haven't we just got the best baby? That's he what was we said. beautiful and calm and smiley. And, and he didn't and, feed very well. Yeah, made eye contact, yeah. did all sorts of, you know, all the stuff yeah. he should have done, but he didn't cry very much. Um, and he didn't feed very well. And my brother and sister had these sort of jumbo babies that blew up like footballs. And Oscar, you know, he seemed to be feeding all the time and I'd get him to the next week's check and he'd put on an ounce. Right. So he started sort of sliding down. Instead the, of going instead up. Instead of going up, yeah, the centile. So I think I introduced formula at about four months and solids at about five months. And then he started showing signs which I of being quite allergic, which is a real thing for him now right. and always has been. Be very red in the face. You know, I bought books about, you know, I was sort of cooking food up and mooling it and freezing it in oh, during, ice cubes. Being trays. the perfect. I was, yeah. I really was trying to be the perfect yeah. mother. And then realised that most of what I was giving him was causing him to have. And that's, lac is it lactose or well, it's more all than sorts that? Of things actually. Sort of tomatoes, strawberries, all the citrus fruit. There's loads. It's okay, so okay. I won't tell you the whole range, but um, egg, he is a, has an anaphylactic oh, response right. to it. So, introduced that at six months and is he sitting is he sitting up at six yeah. months it was interesting he met all his milestones just about he did 
um, sit up at the right at the right time, you know, well with him. Yeah. He crawled on the far end of crawling. He walked at around fourteen months, so it really wasn't bad, you and know. And happy, was smiley, oh, baby. He was gorgeous. He was absolutely gorgeous, but he was sort of receiving rather than he would. He was very happy to have me around, and. If you showed him books, very happy to look at them, but he didn't ask for stuff, mm. and he didn't he didn't particularly seem to want anything, and he didn't ever come and show me anything, right. you know. So he, we were sort of coexisting very happily. Yes, because the same with Charlie. So he was very happy for me to make him laugh or tickle yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Or That's it. And singing songs, singing which he dancing, loved. Then he reacted, him. he loved them. You yeah, know, so laughing, nothing, laughing. Yeah. Nothing in my mind thought I should be worried yeah. about how he's connecting with me because, again, you're just with them a lot of the time. So yeah. I do remember saying at his 18-month check, he's a bit mad. And the health visitor saying, well, boys are a bit mad. And just thinking boys are a bit mad. And, and He's in, happy, who And cares? in that way, you meant... He wasn't quite... He was, I do, I was worried actually At, because my brother and sister, I had a, a group of friends with children the same age. It wasn't that I wanted him to be a particular weight. He just seemed to be slightly different. Mm, something in the uh, gut was yeah, saying. Yeah, he just wasn't. I remember once saying it to my mum and her saying, oh, he'll skip off to school with the others at five. And I was saying, actually, mum, that's what I'm saying. I don't think this is quite going. Mm. It was only a tiny thing, and yeah. we did. T I talked to Simon about it. We just thought, so he might not be the sharpest tool in the box. We don't care. Yeah, or, he's or happy that he's, and gorgeous, and we love him. So, yeah, or that he's developing in just a different way, and or he, a bit more slowly. Yeah, exactly. Because I, mean, I remember yeah. going to Charlie went to the Childminders, and he wouldn't play. They said that he was quite happy to play by himself, and obviously, I said, "Oh yeah, he loves to play by himself." Yeah. Um, but what, you know, transpired was that he really would kind of avoid. Yeah. It wasn't that he was just playing happily by himself. No. It's that he was trying he was to get away. He was taking himself away. Yeah, and I remember yeah. they said to me, something's not quite right with him. Right. And they didn't ever say that word, the no. A word. But yeah. I, just found, I just found it quite, I was quite offended. And I was like, yeah. oh, he's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went back to work and then at about 18 months, I think that... I was going to leave anyway because I was, I was already pregnant with Connie. I, with with the, the second, with my second okay. child. There's only twenty months between them. Um, the childminder said he, when we go somewhere to a playground or to uh, you know drop in or whatever, he doesn't get out of the pushchair. And I remember thinking, well, actually, that's well, yeah, exactly. You're making a <laughs> yeah. Big, it was like somebody had stabbed me in the yeah. heart. I just thought, what? So I thought, right, I'm going to give up. Like work. you can't pass that on. I as just... know. I'm going to and see what's going on. And Connie was born when Oscar was 20 months. He didn't notice her really, which was odd again. But mm. you know, hey, keep yeah, keep he's still keep, gorgeous. Yeah, and we yeah, still keep tracking. Yeah. And then about three weeks after Connie was born, Oscar got chicken pox and a horrid high temperature and we saw it was like somebody just turned the lights down and then slowly slowly he lost all the skills he'd built up he started turning his face away if I talked to him and just becoming more and more hyperactive so that within uh, it, it's a bit vague but mm. maybe within three or four months of Connie being born 
he just was like a whirling dervish. He was just racing around. We couldn't no engagement him in anything. We couldn't engage him in anything. So then there was a question mark over whether he was deaf. We got a referral to an audiologist. Right. And I took him to Central Middlesex and this brilliant woman obviously recognised that he was on the spectrum. And she told me very kindly, which was... How did she... Well, I'm not sure whether she said autism. I think she said, I think it's something else. And I think it's developmental. And actually, because I knew a bit about autism, I had seen Oscar jumping up and down in front of the television. I was aware that he wasn't aware of me. He didn't make eye contact. I had already thought, this looks like autism. Um, in, in the recesses oh, in of the your, dark, yes. yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't say it. Mm. I was just, it was just there. Um, but he was very different on different days, Oscar. He had really good days and really diff- days when he was very shut down. Yeah. Um, anyway, this woman, uh, she arranged the audiologist. So this was at about before two and a half. She right. arranged for him to see a psychologist. But people didn't know about autism. His GP didn't know anything about God, it. You, you know, think, I mean, we like, were really, we were really struggling at this point. The only b- reference we had was in our Encyclopedia Britannica that just described autism in totally catastrophic terms. There's nothing you can do about no it. No cure. Uh, no cure. Yeah, and I just wouldn't have it because he was my boy. You know, mm. we're not having that. So we went off and got a diagnosis. Then we got a second opinion at um, St Mary's where the first time I took him in to see this lovely woman, Oscar just ran round the outside wall of the room. And honestly, there was no question. So that was the second opinion. But she wanted him to come back. The second time he went in, he sat with me, played with toys. And she said, well, now I don't know. And that for me was really difficult because he was so different Mm. on different days. Because that's that's the same when me and my mother talk about it. We say, you know, today he seems like he's with us yeah. or he's present yeah. and then other days he's just not there yeah. at all and it does it's so difficult because I remember when Charlie got diagnosed um, a slightly different point but he almost became more severe after that diagnosis Yeah. so of, often I hear parents say it's really difficult because I don't know where they are on the spectrum Yeah. which is something all parents will know you know what's he going to achieve what, what yeah, can, will yeah. he be able to achieve yeah. and I remember thinking when he got diagnosed well he can say he can say a few things. We're really lucky, mum, you know. Yeah. He's not going to... And then he just sort of progressively from Lost that... Lost it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. almost to baseline yeah, where yeah. we've built yeah. up. So do you remember... Because often mums say, I was already sort of on the train way before the diagnosis and sort of having the mm. the dark, the, the sadness. Mm. But so how was Simon? Did you speak about it? You were quite on oh, the same we, page. we did. I mean, we had Connie by that time, so we were very busy and Simon was working... It was grief. It was terrible. And I think it's different for different people, but we had seen Oscar developing in a certain way and then he lost it. Mm. So we felt like we'd lost the boy we thought we had. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible, terrible times. But we very quickly, actually, um, we had local authority speech and language people around. We had psychologist ran we had you know I was given things to do with him particularly by the speech and language therapist um 
we ju- I just couldn't get anywhere. I, you know, I was I had worked with children by this time. I'd actually worked with special needs children. I was very, very determined to do everything I could to help Oscar. But the very nice speech and language person would say, don't play for too long, try 10 minutes. I'd set something up, you know, and sit Oscar down. 10 seconds was like a lifetime. He couldn't engage with it. And I recognised that whatever I was doing wasn't reaching him. Mm. I just couldn't reach him. And then totally, obviously, coincidentally, my um, mother-in-law met somebody on a train who mentioned Peach, which was an American charity that helped parents set up ABA programmes in their homes. And she told me about it, and I contacted them, and they sent me some information. I then read a book by Catherine Morris about her, I think it was by Catherine Morris, it was called Let Me Hear Your Voice, and it was a mother's experience with her young son using ABA. Yeah. And I then bought a manual and started working with Oscar doing ABA myself. And it was like magic. It was so extraordinary. I definitely wanted to get Oscar back. That's what I felt I wanted to do. And if ABA could help me recover him, which I think was how we what we called it back then, then that was what I was going to do. So at that stage, not only... Did he not have the attention span to engage with anything for more than seconds? But he didn't seem to have any of the instincts that he had had to copy or give or match or, you know, I mean, I couldn't pin him down to do it, but he couldn't do it anyway. And he just raced around Mm. and then he'd collapse in a little heap and then he'd jump up and race around again. I mean, it was just painful to see. And you had a small baby. I had another baby. My mum was amazing. My family, by this time, my brother had moved in with his family next door to us. And so anyway, I... I mean, I can tell you a little well, bit about I'd what like, I did. Well, just yeah, if you could explain to um, what ABA is. Well, for us, it was a method of breaking tasks down into their component parts. And if you start thinking about a task and all the things involved in learning that task, I mean, you know, for a child who doesn't learn any of it, in, you know, naturally. Or, or, or through language. language. Yeah. yeah. Or imitation. There's an awful lot of parts to an awful lot of what seem to be very simple tasks. So it's breaking the task down into its component parts and building it up, well, scientifically, really, um, not adding the next part of the task until the previous part is mastered. We had an American consultant who we flew over. She came over to see a number of families, more than just us, um, from L.A., who taught us that it was our responsibility to help Oscar learn. The onus was on us to get it right. If he wasn't learning, we need to look to ourselves to see what we were doing wrong. And that it had to be rewarding for him because otherwise he wouldn't want to do it. So we were, each day, we looked at what he was finding rewarding. For Oscar, it was very often verbal, social praise and songs. But we also used little we used edible reinforcers, but he liked being thrown up in the air. He loved being tickled. He loved books being read to him. And what age was, did you start? He was about start? three, three then. Um, and so we had to keep the rewards 
coming. And we were taught to reward effort, not outcome. And also to stop when he was doing well. So one of the things that she often said, because he started and he just took off. It was amazing for a year. But, you know, this was a little boy who couldn't do anything except run around. Mm. Within about six months, you would ask him to go and find something from a pile of toys at the end of the room. He'd go off, select from a pile, bring it back and then get a reward. And he loved it. And it was like we've got video footage of it. It felt like he was coming back and he was having a lovely time. And that was so important for me. There was no way anybody was going to mistreat my child or you know that was all we wanted i know what you mean so if charlie does something well i have i think we all have this the tendency to to push it to push to do it again because because you're getting something yeah yeah you're getting something from it yeah and i've noticed that i tried that a couple of times and i don't do it anymore because Mm. he would get upset yeah the consultant used to come and say the only criticism i have is that you're keeping this going too long at each table sitting you should have stopped a minute ago or you know you must not keep him working and we learned that quickly and you know that was it was just wonderful and we just saw him blossoming but about not quite a year and a half later he got flu or something with a high temperature again started to lose the skills again do you think that's um, like a because I've heard a few parents actually some on the podcast say that a big illness seems to have some sort of regressive effect but I don't know whether that's actually based in I'm I'm sure with Oscar it was true I think Mm. an assault on his immune system around two when he got chickenpox was a real problem and then again um anyway he lost all the skills again uh which was very painful and since when we haven't got anywhere near that we're nowhere near that now and we very quickly stopped thinking in terms of recovery and just thought we the ABA framework has allowed Oscar to understand the value of social relationships so on a good day we don't need it you know Oscar will just be having a lovely time but he is anaphylactic epileptic and he has chronic gut problems so He often has difficult days Mm. and it's a framework that helps keep his world. We've just transitioned him to a new provision. So keeps it familiar and consistent. And within the ABA framework, the tutors can teach him anything he can learn and help him because he trusts his tutors. And in the new provision, the tutors have also been trained up. He'll try new pla- he'll go to new places, you know, because he trusts the people around him. Mm. It's been the best thing we've done. That and his diet, which was, uh, I was saying earlier how variable he was when mm. he was a little boy. The one thing I could think of that changed in his life was what he ate. And so we, I spoke to the ADHD Society at huge length, took out foods that were highly allergenic, And then with a nutritionist put together a diet and we've kept him on it all the time with a few treaty things that I've put in because I think it's important. Mm. Um, But that has really helped as well. And is that no gluten? It's no gluten, no casing. We had him tested for that. We do have allergy tests done occasionally. The last lot were about two years ago and he's still very allergic. 
So it mm. is... It seems to be quite a common... Yeah, I think it guts, is. Stomach problems, yeah. allergies, epilepsy. Yeah, um, I mean... Charlie they, has ADHD. Yeah. He's been diagnosed with ADHD for about three months now. Right. But that's something that creeped in for me. So yeah. it got... And it was hard to know what was ADHD and what was autism. I wasn't quite sure where one began or mm. one met. Or, mm. And he's just... Uh, and that was the, he ran around. It was the running around, the non-stopping mm. running around that kind of was, because he never used to do that before. And mm. so doing that a lot more. But yeah, his, he's also, um, which I've heard is quite common, does lose skills still. Yeah. Um, that he's mastered. And then, which yeah. I think is cruel. And it's... Yes, yeah, so do I. Yeah, so do I. I think... One of the lovely things about ABA is that because you are looking at tasks and you're actually seeing them in a different way and the complexity of certain tasks, you start to value tiny steps in the right, you know, progress in a different way. And you look at small steps and you celebrate those. That's interesting. You don't suddenly think, oh, he can talk or he can... You don't ever... Well, I mean, you know... well, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know what to expect, but you don't think in those terms. You think Oscar's learned to take his plate to the sink and he loves doing that. That's what I find, you know, in some ways he's uh, performing. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, if, if he were to be assessed, I should think he's around two, two years in some ways. But he has developed a desire to be involved in his world and in some ways it seems to me he wants to be quite useful and there was a time when I never thought he'd have a job but I now think if we can create a situation where with support he can do something Mm. we should definitely do it because he enjoys taking part and feeling useful so and that's quite a sophisticated feeling it seems to me so he just is Oscar now he's Oscar I, I don't think in terms of what he'll do is he functioning at what will he do all we want to do is make his life as enjoyable and rewarding as possible and because the framework is so clear on a good day you can go you know sailing with him but on a bad day you can come back you can stay within the framework and he knows he understands it it gives him something to hold on to as well if he's having a difficult day when he is building up to a seizure, you can tell from the way he looks that a seizure's coming. His hands are very cold, obviously not how he looks, but his eyes are smaller and slightly less clear. His lips are thinner and you can see that he's confused. And because he understands the way ABA is taught, you, it, it gives him something to hold on to. Mm. I mean, we reduce demands, obviously, as we do, if you can see that he's got a bad stomach or da da da. But you can still keep things going, you know. Yeah. And I think that really helps him. And, and helps you, as I guess, all of you. It helps the care. Yeah, yeah, helps all of us. Absolutely yeah. helps all of us. So I'd like to go back to when he was about five or six. Yeah. Where did he go to school or what was what was the journey? Because I know he went to Treehouse. He did. Um, at that age? He went to Treehouse at five. Um, we'd done the home programme for a couple of years and we felt he was bored at home that somehow we couldn't keep it going and make it fun and we knew about treehouse um and at the time there were 14 children and it was just um off Grayson road 
And we went to meet the head teacher there and she offered us the last place, the 15th place. And we turned it down because I just thought, I don't think I'm ready for him to go to school yet. Got home and just by chance over that weekend read an article in the newspaper about how few specialist places there were for children with autism. And I just thought, this is crazy. It's not about me, you know. And it was a lovely school, lovely, lovely. So we rang on Monday morning and they said, yes, the place is still available. Because my son goes to a, a similar school to Treehouse and I remember going there thinking, and it was the first time that I'd seen children like Charlie, or quite similar to Charlie, and I remember thinking, it is hard for me to be, to be here and kind yeah. of, you know, realise this is it. This is, you know, this is where he should be. Yeah. Um, but it was also quite eye-opening to think that other parents are going through what seemingly was something that I was just going through all alone. Yeah, because Oscar was diagnosed at around two and a half, by by the time we were doing the home programme, I think I'd come to terms with certain aspects. Mm. I mean, I didn't know where Oscar was going to get, but, you know, we took him to Treehouse. I wasn't, I mean, I just thought it was a lovely school and Mm. how lucky to have him here. I do remember because that was shortly after he lost skills for the second time. For the first few months, I'd go and pick him up in the afternoon and he looked at me as if he'd never seen me before in his life. And it was so awful. I It was just awful. But within about six months, I remember being at a meeting and him seeing him through the window on a climbing frame and he looked at me and started laughing and jumping up and down. And that for me, you know, it was one of those magical moments. Mm. But honestly, I've never seen such a group of parents as the parents who, I mean, Oscar was with Ambitious About Autism, who run Treehouse yes. until last year. So I've known a lot of the parents for a long time. And with their, there was a wonderful head teacher there who introduced all sorts of certificates and nice things for the parents so that they felt they knew what their kids were doing. But they also got some of the nice things that come with your children at mainstream school, mm. you know, certificates for good. Oh, we get star of work the week. Or star of, yeah, yeah, I think it's really important it to do that sort of thing. And I remember Oscar's first certificate was having a nice time at the fire station, which I just thought was so <laughs> gorgeous. And um, we've still got these. The second one was staying in pee. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've get, so Charlie gets um, sitting in circle time for uh, more than a minute. More, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, which know, is good stuff. You've yeah, got to celebrate that exactly. stuff. Exactly. And I always think that they all, you know, star of the week this week. And me and my parents always joke. It sounds horrible, but they, they all... It's like a rotary thing where yeah. they all get it once. <laughs> well, once I think month. that's probably true in mainstream yeah, school, actually. But anyway, yeah. but we love that. But honestly, we we all started going to these meetings. We all, as we've discussed, we're all, all horribly sleep deprived, trying not to be in tears most of the time for various reasons. But the love and anxiety in the group, it was extraordinary Mm. we were often at workshops where somebody would be teaching us about pets or Makaton or you know suddenly all the parents would be standing at the window waving frantically because the kids come out for playtime or something it was just chaos really but honestly it was a great place to be and and I think it was where I've been most relaxed because there's a sort of code Mm. when people say how are you and you say 
and, yeah. and that's all you have to say, you know, the, mm. but the stories, the way you could share stories with such honesty. And, and that's the thing we were talking about before. So when I'm at work, there's a couple of things. So I love to hear the stories of yeah. um, the children of my friends at work, the neurotypical children, what they've been doing. Because obviously I don't have... Charlie doesn't have any friends. He doesn't go to birthday yeah. parties. So I don't have that sort of same journey as they do. And I think sometimes they feel slightly guilty or yeah. that they shouldn't. But I, and I always say, you know, I'd like, you know, you don't have to feel, or they'll say, God, I'm so tired from last. And they'll sort of stop themselves. Yeah. And I'll say, no, it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. fine. But yeah, there is when you, when I'm with my A team, as I call them, the, yeah. the other mums <laughs> yeah. and they really get it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't, you know, I wouldn't kind of not wish this on anyone, but I don't, you know, it's just nice to be able to say like, oh, I only had three hours of sleep last night. Yeah. And, it's... and I'm not sure that shit has quite the same humour value oh, amongst no. my other friends. No. Whereas the stories, I mean, just awful. Just, but, oh, yeah. you know, somehow crying with laughter, crying with pain, pain yeah. you know, a lot of crying, but... Oh, Char, I was bouncing on the trampoline with Charlie the other day and uh, for about an hour. And uh, he just had a big poo just in his, oh, in lodged in his trousers. Yeah. It was kind of just yeah, in yeah. his sock. Yeah. But he didn't care. Yeah, I mean, one of the things Oscar's <laughs> always done is pull his nappy apart, which oh, yeah. is just, I mean, I don't know, that wet nappy, very hard to get it. Very strong. Oh, it's disgusting <laughs> stuff. And I remember taking him to get some shoes and... <laughs> Suddenly realising that he'd obviously pulled his nappy apart and it was all over the floor in the shoe shop. And the woman was saying, what is this? I said, no idea. And she went in to get his shoes and I was just picking it up and shoving it in my handbag. You know, this urine sodden stuff is so disgusting. Ignoring the fact that Oscar's trousers were soaking <laughs> Oh, it's just, I'll just buy those shoes, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. They, but they don't fit him, I don't care. Oh, <laughs> shoes grow into them. Shoe shops are the best. I was oh. in office the other day and I turned around and Charlie just had a flip-flop in his mouth oh, and he was walking around and the woman went, and I went, I don't want this, and just gave it to her. They're broken. <laughs> yeah, it just had teeth marks in it. It's like, cheers, Charlie. Oh, no. I've got like a long, I find it quite a frightening journey ahead just because mm. I don't know anyone else kind of my age or with a child my age who's going to be going on this journey with Charlie, like I am with Charlie. But um, do you remember when he changed from boy to young teenager? People say to me, oh, it does get harder just because they do get bigger. Yeah. Um, but they get more used to their own skin and they have coping mechanisms that perhaps they didn't have when they were little that they now have, that they do have when they're like 12, 13. And has he always been loving? Did it get more or um, as he got bigger, did you get more help? Kind of how I did it change? Okay. Yeah, that, that, it, that's very interesting. He was at Treehouse until he was 19. Okay. And then at Ambitious College until last year, so until he was 23. Um, so for me, that was like a miracle. I knew he was in the best place. Um, there was a really fantastic communication between the school and college and home, right. a real understanding and a real respect, which I think can be sadly lacking. And I think for parents that can be very, well, it is <laughs> very mm. stressful, mm. but they were so brilliant. They understood everything. We sort of ended up with a code and I always knew 
that they were looking after him and doing the best thing, that they would challenge him appropriately and just look after him if he was having a difficult day. Not not just look after him, but, you know, yeah. he loved going. But did he change? And he, puberty, did that kind of... Cause I, I know don't it's different... remember that being uh, particularly difficult. It was just more of the same, really. The thing that you've mentioned that was more difficult was him getting bigger. So by about 19... I think, but possibly 20, I stopped taking him out on my own. I'll take him out in the car on my own, but I just can't manage him. If he pulls away from me, he's a bolter. So if he runs away, A, I can't keep up with him anymore and I can't keep him safe. And at the point where I thought I couldn't stop him running into the road, and it might have been earlier than that, actually, it might have been more like 17. So that was quite a... That was sad for me, actually, because he strangely good company, even though he's non-verbal and his understanding is, is low. He's got a lovely personality and there's this, he's strangely communicative. He's got very expressive eyebrows, which make me die laughing. He's very funny. You know, he loves having a laugh, but he does run away. And I just thought, if, if, if I can't keep him safe, I can't take him out on my own. Mm. Um, and by about... 18, it was written into all of his um, care plans that he needed two to one, and, and he really does. So that, w- that was a real change, and it meant that we then stopped taking him to certain places. It was, it's very difficult with... There is a tension between what your other two kids want to do. I want to ask and, you about... But we pretty much tailored it to Oscar's needs. Um, and at about 19 having had a really excellent social worker for a few years, when he transitioned from children's services into the transition part of the team, she organised for his care, our support to be significantly increased. So he had quite a lot of support at home. I started having night support because until that time, we'd actually slept in the same bed. Right, so he's always had... His terrible nights. Yeah, and his bad sleeper. Yeah. So then I started not being awake all night. That made life much better with the other two, as you can imagine. Mm. But we got a lot more support. So then Oscar could go out with carers and we could then take the other two away for a few days, which we'd never done without Oscar. So I I always felt that holidays was a bit of a misnomer with, you know, in our... Tell me about (laughs) it. It's just worse than being at home, you know. Yeah. But... We've tended to go on holiday with my family who are superb and get stuck in. But then we could start paying attention to the other two and knowing that Oscar was having a lovely time with his carers. And something recently that's happened, which I I love, the fact what this has done for him is start to develop a world that's separate to us. He lives with us, as you know, but he has relationships that are completely independent within the last year or so. Um, we realised that his care, he he needed his own space a bit more. So we're very careful that he... Because he needs to be looked after all the time, but he must have his own space and it must be as unobtrusive as possible. So we taught him... He was pushing people away a bit to tap on their shoulder, which means, could you give me a bit of space? Mm. Um, which he does occasionally with them. But with me... <laughs> I'll go into the into his rooms and um, be trying to have a conversation with the carers. He'll just come over and tap me on the shoulder and just whisk you sort off. <laughs> so I just have to leave the room. Yeah. But that that is exactly what I want. I mean, that's what we all want, mm. isn't it? For our 
children as they grow up to have relationships and a life that's independent. So he's very much under my BDI, but I am asked to leave by him quite a lot of the time, which is great. So, so can he... Um like feed himself yes he feeds himself with a spoon right with a spoon, um, yeah. somebody is there with him i'm very often eating with him because i think it's eating is a nice social thing but it's really somebody sitting there making sure he doesn't overfill his mouth which he does um because of his stomach mm. um you really want him to chew his food so try not to get involved but just help yeah. just keeping an eye and making oh, sure I've never that he seen... doesn't shove it in and <laughs> yeah, swallow it down yeah. without i've never seen know, as many sausages going to one yeah. person's mouth yeah. as charlie yeah. and his eyes stop watering <laughs> and then he'll go like gagging yeah. and i'll be like i know much, you, yeah i know it's that awful and then sort of choking yeah. a bit and like yeah. yeah, maybe don't put the next mouthful in. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it, everything and bar, and like and self care, which self care. He needs help with everything. He yeah, yeah. wears nappies, so he yeah. yeah. I is mean, he aware? He like, I think Charlie. He's tries. He, I don't think he quite likes the nappies, but he's still. He sometimes like runs away or he won't put his foot in when I'm trying. To, right, like he doesn't want to put it on. Maybe it's uncomfortable, but. I sometimes wonder, like, do you know that you're potentially like shouldn't be wearing these? Or well, that would be amazing if he, you know, that's maybe a it's a sensory start. thing. With but... um, Oscar, he finds being taken to the loo very boring, but I sympathise with that. So we'll try and make that quite interesting as well. Yeah. No, he doesn't seem to mind wearing a nappy. We're very lucky in that um, he doesn't seem to have too many sensory. You know, he doesn't mind what clothes you put on him what He's does he like because we spoke about he likes straws like charlie no no he doesn't like straws he likes um he we, we he did used to he doesn't anymore i bought him those glasses straws you know where you suck it i thought he'd love those no he didn't like those straws. i thought they were hilarious but he thought they were really boring. but come on they're not real glasses <laughs> they're I mean, not they're, proper glasses. Silly. he likes he well his sensory thing so having said he's not is tapping a car against a hard surface he's got a huge range of toy cars he selects them very carefully he hates certain cars doesn't like a new car likes an old bashed up car with two wheels bangs it against the window and it's a real indication of how he's feeling how hard he's banging as well as that he's always loved music and he has a program on the computer and a mouse and he can select Certain songs. What's his favourite? Uh, well, at the moment, perfect with um, Ed Sheeran, but with Andrea B- B- Bocelli oh, as well. well great. He loves a bit of opera. Great taste. Yeah, he loves music, and he's got loads of pecs. But we use um, photographs, not icons, because he finds that easier. So he'll select books and children's books. He loves rhyme. Um, he loves being spoken to. Some of his carers are. Not English, well, they're English speaking, but their first language is Spanish or French. And they'll, we've got puppets for him, and they do some puppet shows in different languages. He just thinks they're hilarious and they're brilliant, they are absolutely brilliant. Is he quite cuddly in his, yeah, with his own, he is. on his own he, terms? Well, he'll tolerate the carers, I think they're probably quite tactile. If he's having a difficult day, I, I ask them to put sort of heavy hands on him just to help bring him down you can see the energy just spurting out of the top of his head just to help him I put my arms around him a lot which he tolerates and if he's having a difficult day with seizure thing he'll put his arms around me which is quite interesting if he's not feeling very well he'll come and put his arms around me he always has been huggy I think he is less so now and I just have to 
tolerate well, that's that. just an, an yeah. age thing isn't it, it? Is, yeah. yeah i mean i haven't been able to hug my 18 year old boy for about <laughs> five years so so i've done pretty well with osk so there's two things actually i wanted to ask you about so for your other two children a lot of people that I know that have one autistic child and a neurotypical child say it was fascinating to them as a baby, just seeing how alert they were yeah. when they started talking. You're like, whoa, yeah. you're one and you're saying that because yeah. you're, you've got this you know, other child as your yardstick and they never did any of these things. Obviously, they love Oscar. And, but as a young child, did they ask questions? Did they say, what, you know, why doesn't he talk? Or um, my yeah, nephew no, is very, very confusing. I think it was very confusing for them. Connie is only 20 months behind. And she was quite an extraordinary. I remember when she was born, within 24 hours, and I know this sounds crazy, but I have heard somebody say this recently, actually. She lifted her head off the bed. I mean, it was the most extraordinary. It's like the exorcist or something like, my God, you're different. And by that time, I was, as I said, I was a bit worried about Oscar, but I, she just raced on like, I, it was like a miracle, as you're saying. It didn't make me sad, though. It just made me think, A, I thought fantastic she's fine but also it was just like magic how can you do all this stuff and I don't have to teach it you know she was just picking stuff up all the time and I couldn't have stopped her that's what it felt like and that engagement that oh my god of- yeah I mean it was difficult for her though because she wanted me so much and I was facing Oscar I really was. My mum was over a lot. My brother lived next door at the time and they had a daughter four months older, so she spent loads of time with them. And so we sort of became a bit of a community. But I know that it was difficult for Connie as a little girl. There's no question. She was as good as gold with Oscar. She always understood that, and it's a shame, I mean, looking back on it, but it is how I did it. Maybe I could have done it differently. I didn't know a different way, mm. but that we we organised our lives around Oscar's needs. Mm. And but I think that has had an, a detrimental effect on her. I think she's, you know, we're playing a long game with the other two and we're getting there slowly, slowly. But she's been very anxious. She was a very high achiever. And I have a feeling, and still is, um, that that was in some way trying to make up for something. You know, it, it, looking back on it, I'd love to change what I did but I'm trying to put it right now Mm. Felix is four years younger than Connie and he was really confused by Oscar you know if you were ever reading so Oscar's six years older than Felix if you we were looking at picture books and things he would say that's Oscar and point to the baby in the pushchair and that's me the big boy with the something something you know fascinating to see how they know and he became very anxious and a school refuser you know there were all sorts of issues around there so I think it has had quite a profound effect on Mm. both of them but they are both wonderful but it's been a journey for them as well and it it really has continue to be and it will be but they love him I mean they kill anybody who says anything oh yes yeah yeah there's no question and and I think that's hard feeling that level of Mm. yeah I mean it sounds positive but actually it's quite a burden oh god and also I guess it is a burden and but I'm always thinking, God, it's so great that there's two more people in this world that well, can advocate right. yeah. and say, actually, yeah. well, my brother's severely autistic. Why don't you come over? Or, you know, he doesn't yeah. like this. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, because my nephew is the same. He's always, He asked me the other day, he said, um, Charlie doesn't play with me. 
Yeah. And Charlie doesn't talk to me. Yeah. And I said, well, some people can't see and some people can't hear and, and yeah. some people can't speak. And Charlie's yeah. one of those. But I said, he can understand you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite sad because he's always like running after him saying, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah. And Charlie's yeah. just like running away. You're just like, yeah. but then it makes him want him even more. So. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's like, yes, yeah, so <laughs> he's I'm like this, crack this He's like one. this God. He's yeah. like this untouchable God. Yeah. I, I find this extraordinary. Oscar is... Still in nappies, as you know, non-verbal, receptive understanding, pretty low. People just love him um, and write to me and say he's changed my life. And working with Oscar is the most wonderful thing I've ever done. I think, well, that's, you know, that's really contributing something. In a world where I think value, I think about this all the time, particularly as he gets older. And we've just had a massive battle to win him the care, to maintain the care he had moving from children's to adult services. In a world where people tend to be valued by the amount of money they earn, it's very hard to persuade people or to, to really to discover that Oscar is not valued at all. And I think Oscar has huge value. He has huge value for us as a family. But he does make people learn. People are learning through him. Mm. And... There is a, what I've heard described as an empathy gap, and there is. And somehow we need to change that because people like Oscar and Charlie need to be looked after. And I think the world would be a better place oh, if they were valued in the way completely. they Completely. And I see my be. friends change. I see the first time my best friends have spent an hour with Charlie and they come away, you know, really c- contemplating themselves. Yeah. Thinking, God, you know, yeah. how do I view myself yeah. I've never been around such a disabled person before. Like, And then the next time you can see they're a bit more open and vulnerable yeah. themselves yeah. and communicating on a different level through touch. Or, um, yeah. So it's a beautiful thing to see. And it actually, is. I'm, it's fantastic. I've got that deep sadness because I'm there all the time and I yeah. see when it's awful and when it's great. Mm. But um, yeah, no, it is, it is a beautiful thing and, and it's something that I've realised there is beauty in it and it's that's not just saying something really airy fairy it's really true i no i totally agree yeah. i do think actually in this country people on the whole are sympathetic and kind maybe not as much as they used to be but i know traveling with oscar a little bit we've had some very unpleasant experiences in other countries and getting back to england you do think oh that's better. I remember I remember walking down Salisbury Road when we lived in Queen's Park with Oscar when he was a lot smaller and I was just holding his hand and suddenly realising that a man was keeping in step with us for quite a long way. And after a while, I was sort of turned around slightly, you know, saying, can I help you? And Oscar had grabbed his hand as this man tried to overtake us and he was just walking along holding Oscar's hand. <laughs> I just thought that was so sweet. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And he said, that's absolutely fine. And, you know, so we <laughs> walked around for a little bit and then he went off to work. But it was so, so sweet. sweet. I know. I'm always giving pe- women back things in the street because Charlie's quite a... I mean, he was born in Peckham, Lucy, so... Right. But- <laughs> but he is often going to women's handbags and taking oh, little well, trinkets because he likes like, yeah. such a, you know nail clippers his yeah. favorite thing mm. um not so good when he tries to put them in his mouth but no, no he's always and i'm always handing back the say i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah. and they often laugh and yeah. say god that's so cute yeah. and then they're quite perplexed as well because he's as i'm sure oscar was and is such a beautiful child and yeah, seemingly he, quite 
and there's no obvious physical no, disability. So no. on a on a glance, it's mm. sort of like, why your is your child taking stuff out of my handbag? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say, I'm I'm sorry. You know, um, mm. he's autistic. He doesn't realise, and mm. they're like, oh, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Um. So he's at Treehouse until he's 19, and then just when you think you've maybe you've got this, or you know, you kind of understand all his needs and. You've got things in place. Then he then does he have a seizure out of the blue? Or? Yeah, he did have a seizure out of the blue. We were. Can you? I remember? think it was actually the summer he left Treehouse and was starting at the new college. So unfortunately, then with a whole new group of people looking after him, but fantastic as it turned out. So that was so okay. what happened. We went on holiday to Devon. Um, took. Felix and a friend and my older sister, who has been superb throughout this, in fact, gave up being a lawyer and trained in ABA and ran a programme in Cornwall, um, where she lives. Wow, but she met her, yeah, I mean, she's just brilliant, met us in Devon for a week and Oscar was not on good form. He was not having a nice time and we didn't know what was going on. And as usual, Oscar and I had got the master bedroom with the ensuite bathroom and everybody else was in bunk beds somewhere. And he got up at six in the morning, having been awake quite a lot in the night, but that was not unusual. And I got a DVD, we always had a portable DVD player and put it on quietly between us. And then I just, well, anyway, people know what a seizure sounds like. Mm. I became aware that something was going on mm. and I realised he was having a seizure. Oh, it's and been so scary. It was terrible, actually. Yeah. Did we you, did, rang did an it ambulance. Last? It lasted, it was a tonic-clonic seizure. Um, it lasted a couple of minutes. It just seemed like such a horrible assault. It's interesting, the mothers I know whose children have got epilepsy, it's something they can't come to terms with, you know, when they still see their children mm. having seizures. It's did you just think horrible. he was... I thought I mean, it was a seizure. I had okay. seen seizures before, okay. but I did not think Oscar was going to develop epilepsy at 20. You know, we were dealing with the anaphylaxis and his stomach problems, which really cause problems. But anyway, we hadn't seen this coming. We went to Barnstable Hospital. Um, we carried him into a room. Lovely doctor came to see him, tested his blood pH levels and said yes it was a seizure was absolutely adamant that Oscar would have had more seizures previously and I know he hadn't because we're always with Oscar mm. but anyway I hoped that I could deal with it with it without medication because we tried to keep Oscar because of all his allergies and his stomach off medication as much as possible but it became clear over the next couple of months really I wasn't going to make him suffer he had a couple more seizures that we couldn't do that. So, At the same time of day or? Is yeah, it, it's early morning. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we were put in touch with a fantastic neurologist who also knows about autism. He paid quite a pr high price on the medication. It, initially, he put on a couple of stone. We had to put him in bed at about five o'clock. It made him so exhausted and sort of generally sluggish. Um, and he's now on a dose that's, it's not very high. It really has taken all the drama out of the seizures, which now last maybe 45 seconds, and they happen only once every two or three months. But if we kept on putting up the medication, he was going to suffer 
Mm. You know, it, it, so it's, it was a balance getting the, the medication right. But that was, you know, I mm. thought, well, at least with epilepsy, they'll know about it. In fact, nobody knows why it happens. They know it's a seizure that originates in the brain. This is what I've gathered. Mm. You know, the medication is trial and error. It can cause terrible allergic reactions. So again, I was observing and trying to make decisions about Oscar's medication that with entirely down to observation because mm. he can't tell us anything at all which is where having carers that know him well and his home team knew him well you know and understand that they can't be all over him they have to be watching but not making him feel he's being scrutinized mm. you know it was just they were fantastic is they it common? so supportive it within the um autistic cohort yeah it's much more common epilepsy yeah. than not and i went to we we support a charity called autistica we went to a um well in fact it was a meal the other day we were invited to where i happened to be sitting next to the main speaker who i didn't realize was the main speaker so i was sort of boring him to death chat away chat 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 yeah <laughs> but he said we are now beginning to think that the epilepsy that affects the autistic world is not quite the same as epilepsy that occurs within the neurotypical world but all the drugs that we trial we trial on people who are neurotypical so the drugs might not even be quite right i mean the whole thing mm. is such um because i just think God, how much these our children have to i mean they're the bravest people i know yeah and they don't yeah, realize yeah. they're being brave oh, I know. Like, how I much think more can you get thrown right. at you i am full of admiration for mm. him yeah. i know we all say about charlie my mom's yeah. like he is literally the bravest person yeah, i've ever met i know and if people could think that, yeah, you know, I'm like, as a starting point, their lives would be a whole lot easier. Com and so would ours. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, okay, so now, is he at the college? He's at the college. He, no, he left the college last year. Yeah. Um, where he was for an extra year, actually, while we fought the local authority. And he's now so at you went a to the court new, for this, didn't you? Well, in the end, we didn't go to court. Okay. We did appoint a solicitor who was fantastic. But he's now at a new provision, uh, which is working very well. They originally turned Oscar down um, because he was too complex and then happened to see him because they were visiting another young adult at the college who might have been going to the provision and saw teachers there working with Oscar and how well he responds to this ABA approach mm. and agreed that if we trained up a team around him um that they would try it and he absolutely loves it there as well and what's it called he's got a great team it's called area 51 it's in wood green so he'll he'll live with you guys yeah and then how long will he be at area 51 for is it just a continuous thing that he'll well i haven't can't quite bear to ask that question no, actually. No, no, no. but yeah. i really think to have some sort of job would really benefit him and we're also conscious that we won't be here forever and we have to have set something up for the long term we are thinking of setting up a provision that will be residential but with oscar always having a home with us where there will be interesting things to do access to the community and hopefully a sort of um, the community welcome in the provision but also maybe a laundrette and a 
garden and a garden and a little shop and I think because he demonstrates at home that he likes being involved yes. and he likes a bit of a job, he likes taking the washing to the machine oh, and shoving it in, chore. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Likes a bit of a chore. Yeah. Then we should build that in. And totally. I, I want to build in, I've, I'd love to create something for him and like-minded friends mm. that will give them a future. Because I think as well that could work in two ways because you could have students training in autism coming in yeah. and yeah, then yeah. you're both it can you're provide all getting all something. sorts yeah. of... Yeah. Things to all sorts of people. Exactly. Well, yeah. I'd love to help in well, any way I can. Well, we would absolutely love it. The more, the merrier. I mean, you know, if we came up with a formula um, that could then be repeated, that would be fantastic. It could be that training. It could yeah. be... Yeah. Well, the last question I'm going to ask you is when you tell people your son is autistic, mm. what would you like their response to be? Um, I've been very lucky that the responses always been positive what i'd most like is for people to be interested and sympathetic to oscar not me well i mean it'd be nice if people understood a bit understood that you might be tireder and tearful mm. but i think oscar's life is quite hard and i would like people to be interested in him help him uh, value him and be sympathetic yeah well i think Oscar's very lucky to have you and you're very lucky to have him. So do I. Thank you. <laughs> Autism is a spectrum condition. All autistic people share certain difficulties, but being autistic will affect them in different ways. Some autistic people also have learning disabilities, mental health issues or other conditions, meaning people need different levels of support. All people on the autism spectrum learn and develop. With the right sort of support, all can be helped to live a more fulfilling life of their own choosing. To learn more about autism, you can visit the National Autistic Society website on autism.org.uk. This podcast was created, written and edit produced by me, Maisie Clater. And the music that you hear in this podcast was written and produced by Kit Milsom, who also records and edits the show. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, maybe even write a little review and rate us. <laughs>